Hello and welcome to the next in my series of studies in John's Gospel. Well done if you managed to watch the last one and you've come on to another one. It's great to have you watching again. This one will be shorter than the last one, I promise. I don't know whether you ever think that you know it all and that you have learned everything. I hope not. I think one of the wonderful things about Christianity is the recognition that there is always more to learn. There is always more we can grasp and study. We're going to look at the next part of John, which, as I said, isn't as long as the last part. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, our last study in John's Gospel was a record break. It was the longest one we've done. This is a much shorter one. We're into chapter 7, and uh, we pick it up at verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea. Judea is the southern part of what uh, had been the... um, Two nations of Israel and Judah, and a long time prior to that had been Israel. So he's in the north in Galilee. He doesn't want to go to Judea because the Jewish leaders were there were looking for a way to kill him. And I'm going to, in the next talk, explore just a little bit more about why they wanted to kill them, to kill him. But it's not the right time for him to be killed. It's not the right time for the cross. And uh, as I say, why they hate him is what we'll look at next time. And we read on. When the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. Now, it's interesting that his brothers are suggesting that there are more followers of Jesus, more disciples in the south, uh, in Jerusalem. In other words, we sometimes have a concept that there were 12 disciples. Now, there were 12 special disciples who went around with Jesus the whole time, but that anybody who followed Jesus was called a disciple of Jesus. And there were other people who believed in him and accepted him as the Messiah, who were known as disciples. Therefore, you and I are also disciples, even though we're not part of the twelve. No one, the brothers continue, verse 4, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. And then it says, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. In other words, they completely got the wrong end of the stick. They wanted him to go and do the things that he was doing in the north and to go that and do that in the more populated south. They wanted him to show what he was doing because they wanted him to be a public figure. Now, some people suggest this was malicious, um, but it doesn't need to be malicious. It's just simply that they didn't understand uh, what he was really about. Uh, John wants us to know they hadn't yet believed in him. So, why does Jesus not want to be a public figure? Because he doesn't go. He doesn't want to do what they say. And it raised for me a little thought about the difference between fame and significance. Lots of people in our culture, in our world today, want to be famous. You ask lots of children what they want to be when they grow up. They want to be famous. And a whole celebrity culture is about being famous. But I want to suggest to you that it's more worthwhile, more fulfilling to have significance. 
Fame is about recognition. Fame is about everybody knowing who we are. Fame is something that is illusory. It feels like being loved, but it's simply that people recognize us. Whereas significance, I want to suggest, is about legacy. It's about what we leave behind in people's life. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus was more interested in legacy than in fame. He wasn't interested in going and doing what they thought a public figure should do. So fame is about popularity. Popularity doesn't last. Whereas legacy is about transformation. Significance is about changing situations, changing lives. And I want to suggest that to be a disciple is to offer ourselves to be part of the transformation of lives from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. That what we want to invest our lives in is the transformation in people from being lost to being in relationship with God, from feeling unvalued to knowing their significance, of being broken and becoming healed of being estranged and coming into community. Fame is momentary. A famous person today is forgotten. What lasts is the significance of a life. And therefore, what lasts often is what we invest that we don't necessarily see instant results from. So the question for us to reflect on just for a moment now is are we working for fame or significance? In the way we do our jobs, in the way we relate in family life, in the, for the way we live in community, for the way we conduct our relationships, is it about popularity for the moment or is it about legacy? Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do, he says. So you brothers, it doesn't matter. You can go and be famous now, but for me, it's not the right time. Why? Because he says the world cannot hate you. So you can go down to the south because you're not hated. But it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. This is verse 7. And so he can't go because of the risk. Why do they hate Jesus? Well, I'm going to talk at that in our next session, as I've already said. But what I want to focus on for the rest of this session is this phrase, my time has not yet come. It's not fully come. He's saying that it's not the right time for him to die. It's not the right moment for the cross. Now, why is that? It seems to me, and I might be wrong, but for the purposes of this reflection, this is the journey I'm going to go on. It seems to me that the probable reason, or at least the possible reason, or at least the reason that I'm going to give us time to think about, is that the disciples were not yet ready to carry on without him. That they were not yet prepared because... Their teaching was not yet completed. They hadn't finished their apprenticeship. There was more they needed to learn from Jesus. And this got me thinking about what it was that they still had to learn. In other words, at this point in John's gospel, what was it that they'd grasped? What was it that John had already taught us? And what was still to be learned? Because that kind of interests me as to what really is important 
to grasp. In other words, if there are things that they hadn't yet learned that John was going to teach us through the rest of his gospel, those things are really important because Jesus is saying to the disciples, uh, I can't leave you until you've learned these lessons. So firstly, what had they learned? Just a quick summary. You might have your own ideas, and I'm not pretending that this is definitive or infallible. It's just my thoughts at this time. What was it that they had learned? Well, if we go back to the beginning of John and the way John has wanted to teach us, and we've learned this throughout these studies. You can go back and find them all where you found this one. The first thing, the very first verse of John's gospel is the understanding that Jesus was God in flesh. He was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In other words, the first thing that John wants us to understand is that this person, Jesus, was God the Creator amongst them in human flesh and that he had come to bring life in him was life and life is a key theme for a lot of the passages that we've looked at so far just a few weeks ago for just as the father raises the dead this is John 5 21 just as the father raises the dead and gives them life even so the son gives life so what have the disciples learned at this point that Jesus was from God and that he'd come to bring life and that he was able to do incredible miracles like walking on water and feeding the 5,000. They'd also learned through the whole discourse and discussion with Nicodemus in John 3 that God loves the world and that Jesus has come from God to express that love and to save. So isn't that all we need to know? All, isn't it all we need to know is that Jesus comes to bring life and that he loves us and that uh, he's from God and that he can do any miracle. Now, some people's Christian faith does stop at that point. But Jesus says, I'm not ready to leave the disciples. So I think there is more still to be learned. And I've gone through and just picked out what I sense are key stories and teachings that John wants us to know they hadn't yet learnt, but they were still to learn. So as we look forward into John, a little bit of a taster of some of the things that are going to come over the coming months. I want to suggest a number of things. And the first thing comes up in chapter 8 is that they had to really grasp the radical and controversial mercy and grace of God experienced by the woman caught in adultery and brought to Jesus. And he says, look, those of you who are without sin, you throw the first stone. And he says when the crowd disappear, rather than wanting to stone this woman, he says to them, uh, to the woman, where are your accusers? Is there anyone left? And she says, no one. And then he says these words, neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. And we discover increasingly this radical, radical mercy and grace that is shocking and disturbing to others, that makes other people feel uncomfortable that transform, transforms and changes lives. You see, it's not enough for us to know that God loves us. We have to understand what that love drives us into 
to in the way we treat other people. And how that love is for the most broken and the most sinful. And and this leads its way through to the cross where Jesus dies on the cross for the sin of the world. Radical mercy and cries out, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And this was still to be learned. So it wasn't yet the time for Jesus to die because this hadn't yet been learned. And the second thing that they were to learn was that Jesus had power over death in the John chapter 11 as he raises Lazarus from the dead. They had to understand before he was to die that he had the power to, to be risen and to overcome and to defeat death. And again, it's vital for us as we walk in the journey of being a disciple of Jesus, that we understand that he has the power over death, that it is not the end, that it is not a defeat, that this life is not all there is. And then he teaches them the primary importance of humility and of serving. He takes off his robe and he washes the disciples' feet and he tells them, that they also need to do the same. The same. I've set you an example. So this key lesson that these followers of Jesus, before they could plant the church, before they could take Christianity around the world, what they had to know was that the very heart of it was servanthood. And that they had to serve others. And for us to be a disciple, we have to serve. It's not about fame. It's not about popularity. It's not about achievement. It's about what we give and release and do for others. And then that links into this incredible phrase that Jesus uses on a number of occasions, latterly in John, where he talks about commandment. Now, we know that God gave commandments and that there are 10 of them. Well, there aren't 10 of them because Jesus says, a new command I give you. My command is this. What is it? To love. What have we not yet learned? They hadn't yet fully understood that following Jesus wasn't about what they were going to receive from him. It was what they were going to do for others in serving, in humbly taking on the lowest position and washing each other's feet. And this command to love. But there is one more thing that is reserved for the Last Supper and really core teaching that before he could die, before the time was right for him to die, they had to grasp and they had to understand. And so in the Last Supper, uh, after he's given them the bread and the cup, he explains this to them. What is it? that the Holy Spirit of God was to come and fill them from within. Jesus says in John 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, another one alongside like me to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. And here's this key thing, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now this is a remarkable thing. Who was it that was living with them? It was Jesus. He says, you know the spirit because he's living with you. Well, Jesus was living with them. 
but he's going to live in you. In the future, there's going to be a time when Jesus lives in them. The power to love, the power to serve, the power to be a disciple was to come when they received the Holy Spirit of Jesus, when they allowed God to live within him by his Holy Spirit. He lives with you, but he's going to be in you. So those are my uh, five key things that we need to grasp to fully be a disciple of Jesus. So our questions for reflection. Firstly, are we working for fame or significance? But then picking up what we just talked about, what is it important for us to learn now? Is it that mercy that doesn't throw stones but releases those caught in sin? Is that what God is saying? You need to learn that. Is it that we need to learn that death is defeated and no longer fear death and no longer believe that this life is all there is? Is it that God is saying, to be my disciple, you've got to learn to serve others and to put their needs and their desires and their agendas first? Is it the command to love Or is it to open ourselves up and allow his Holy Spirit to fill us? That we might be empowered to be merciful, empowered to have confidence over death, to be empowered to serve and empowered to love. Let's ask God to fill us as we pray together. Lord Jesus, will you fill us with your spirit that we might be empowered to be your disciple? that we might live a life of significance that leaves a legacy of transformation because we were merciful and compassionate, because we did not fear death, death or build all our palaces in this world. Will you fill us with your spirit that we might serve and love others? Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us to be your disciple, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.